Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This is a more than just podcast production. Welcome to Podcast, Season 4, Episode 17. This is the 101 episode of our show. Last week I said 17, but I meant 16. So so it's like, uh, is it a zero-based uh, counting that we do here, Rami? I can't remember. Which would make, yes, last episode 16. No, it would make it 15, wouldn't it? Well, I, th- I thought it was particularly touched that you you don't actually count the early episodes because I wasn't on the first couple. So uh, oh, that's true. I really true. I feel like so you know, a, welcome to episode fourteen, folks. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really really seventeen. Is it seventeen? Wait, I'm getting, I'm confused now. Yes, it's seventeen. Looking at my notes, those early pilots where uh, where Spock smiles and stuff, right? That's how we're going with it. Yes, true. Right. Or yeah, and he you know yeah he he kind of chuckles under his breath. Yes, um, yeah, and, and I'm, this is by the way is fact check. Oh wait, uh, I should start at the top and say hey, my name is Tim Mitra. I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kulai in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there. As in in Mississauga, Ontario. I'm in here. I miss Spake. I miss Spake. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, yes, that's your little Easter egg for the show. And I'm also joined by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? Going good. Yeah. So like I said, this is episode 17, not 617 wasn't last week. That was not really last. It was, it was last week, but it wasn't 17. This is, this is 17. Anywho. Um, yes, it's 17. I learned the truth. Yes. Um, John Bishop is a, is from Dr. Who. The new plays Dan on Doctor Who the new, this season is, was uh, where I knew him from. He was actually a stand-up comedian in, UK, so that's you may have seen him on the Facebook or whatever, tell, telling jokes and that kind of stuff. That and he's been in a few t- few shows and stuff like that before. But yeah, that's that's where his thing started. And also, he started as a stand-up comedian quite late in life, like thirty-five, I think, or something like that. Hmm. 
And last week I was talking about, in the after show, I was talking about a progressive rock band, Triumvirate. Uh, That's how you say it. I don't know. But that's how I will say it. And they, in fact, are a German progressive rock band. German. All right. And we'll move on to the headlines. And Jonathan's up first. Yeah. So... The Eternals is the latest uh, opus from Marvel, and we talked last episode about how it was uh, not getting the uh, immediate love. It was a, a low-ranked on Rotten Tomatoes. It is fair to point out that it is doing quite well. It has made, uh, according to this article, it's made $71 million in uh, North America, since its debut and done quite well, although it continues to struggle in the Rotten Tomatoes area. Apparently it is 47% is where it's currently sitting. And that's, that's on the fan side or the credit side? That's on the critics side. Okay. Um, and yeah, apparently it's, it's um, still struggling as far as it's, reviews uh i will give a little little tease that uh well we can talk about it now or we can talk about it uh you know later in this episode what do you think tim do you want to do you want to get we'll into talk about it? later in the episode but we can do the teaser now okay well we'll tease you now and say that uh tim and i went along with our number one fan to go see uh the eternals last night in our time and uh we will we will have a little discussion about it jaime hasn't had a chance to go see it yet so we're going to keep things very high level and we're we're not going to spoil anything. We will just yep. give our, our impressions. So stick around. We're going to talk about Eternals right after we talk about Star Trek Prodigy. I do have a question, though. Yes. About Eternals. So we went, like it opened last Friday, right? Yes. And we went to the Winston Churchill Cineplex Oakville Theaters. Yes. And... We, we used to know it as the Winston Churchill AMC, which is why we call it that still to this day. Yeah, yes. Um, but were you not surprised to find that it was relatively empty for a Wednesday night after it had only opened within less than a week? Yeah, I'm, I'm still having a tough time gauging that because it is, you're right, it was, it was certainly quiet. I think we were three out of probably... 15 people in a 420 plus seat IMAX theater. This is the same one that you and, uh, and uh, Xavier and I had to ourselves to go see a movie not that long ago. I am, I'm really having a tough time gauging whether or not this is just people are slow to return to movies because of the pandemic, or if this is just people are not enthused by this particular movie. So I, I don't necessarily want to judge it based on that, but you're right. I think when I was thinking, I'd like to see Eternals in the theater, I was thinking, well, we'll probably have to wait a few weeks for things to die down. Uh, you and I, because we, of the circumstances of our work, had the, uh, the Thursday off to observe Remembrance Day here in Canada. And um, we thought, okay, well, then let's, you know, let's take advantage of that. And we can actually go sneak in a, in a late show the night before. And yeah, it was, it was pretty sparse, but then the whole theater was pretty sparse. Like there wasn't just Eternals when we got there uh, and Xavier and I got there at, you know, uh, 20 minutes before showtime, the entire facility was extremely quiet. So again, I don't know if that's just things are really quiet on a Wednesday, irrespective of what movie's playing. Although I did actually ask, uh, coincidentally, I asked the young man behind the 
uh, concessions counter, I, I happened to just be making chit chat and I said, Hey, out of curiosity, you know, things are pretty quiet here right now. Do you consider this job to be, you know, pretty laid back? And he said, you know, usually, uh, especially when there's a new, you know, Marvel movie out, he said, it can be quite busy and, you know, you're, you're running pretty fast to try and keep up with the demand. And I said, and then there's nights like tonight. And he said, yeah, tonight is, you know, is dead as a doornail. And this happened to be four days, five days after, after a Marvel movie had come out. So I, I guess you can gauge that as you will, but it, to me, it sounds like this was not a, a hot property. Well, true. And, but, but also, also on the Wednesday night perspective, I mean, I used to work in, in retail and hospitals, hospitality services and stuff like that. And you could usually, usually you brought your staff in and you, and you made as, you know, popcorn and that kind of stuff based on the per- perceived demand that was going to be happening. And mm-hmm. as you you may hear again in the show, I showed up late because mm-hmm. yeah, circumstances, never mind. yeah, circumstances. So I, I was probably, uh, I mean, thank goodness there's 20 minutes of previews because I had that gave me enough time to get to the theater and then miss like maybe five or 10 minutes of the actual f- show. But when I got to the theater, the doors were locked because I guess they, and there was like nobody at the concessions and, you know, the staff were just milling around, but they were so far back, they couldn't hear me banging on the door. But that to me, as a former manager would tell, would, would say, you know, we locked the doors because they're not expecting anybody else to come. I mean, mind you, it was the last show of the evening kind of thing. Um, but I mean, the theater was, it was not super, not, not, not when we came out of the movie, it wasn't like not crowded, like, you know, cause there are other shows. I mean, there's the James Bond movies playing there as well as, you know, um, other things that are that are, so some of the I guess some of the horror stuff would still be still be there from from like the Halloween and stuff like that they had out right. Well, it is funny. It is a strange week too. You, you make a good point. So Dune, which we saw, Dune, right? That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, Dune had been pushed out of the IMAX theater to the largest AVX theater at this particular theater. Xavier and I, while we were sort of milling about, we're checking out some of the other things that were playing in there, and they were playing a few Bollywood movies because of Diwali happening right now. So um, there is a, uh, yeah, the two other large theaters near the center of the facility were playing playing, um, playing Bollywood movies. So I don't know what the demand was for other movies. So again, it could just be they were they were expecting you know Eternals would sort of be the dominant thing, and they were sort of clearing a path or or what. So it's it's hard to say what the what decisions were made as far as what's playing and where and for how long. We, know, we do have a friend, a friend Ashley, who works in in that industry. We could we probably could send a question his way. And That's ask. true. We do actually. We do have a friend of the show. We might be able to tap into on that one. I don't know if he's a friend of the show, but oh no, I mean, I'm sure he listens religiously. Could be. Really? I don't know. I don't think he even knows we have a podcast. All right. Well, that's uh, probably fair. Maybe he'd like it. We talked about. I'm movies. talking about Christopher. I don't know who you're I am too. About. So I was going to oh, say okay, he likes okay. movies. Maybe he'd be into it. <laughs> true. All right. Anyway, let's move on to the next story, and it's Jaime's turn. Yeah, so apparently there's this thing called IMAX Enhanced that's coming to Disney+, Plus, and it's uh, sort of making its its debut with uh, Shang-Chi, which is going to be available on Friday, November 12th on Disney+. Plus. Um, but apparently there's 13 total movies that are getting this IMAX Enhanced, so it's, um, I guess these films were shot in, at least partially, in a different aspect ratio. It looks like that expanded aspect ratio is a 1.9 to 
to 1 ratio instead of the uh, 16 to 9 that's normally there. So what this practically means is that you'll have um, sort of a, a, a bigger view and, and less letterboxing on uh, at least part of the, the scenes. So I'm kind of interested to see what this ends up looking like because the, the, the different IMAX aspect ratio for the uh, Snyder Cut of Justice League was interesting. Um, so if you want the full list here, very quickly, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Avengers Endgame, Avengers Infinity War, Black Panther, Black Widow, Captain America Civil War, Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange, Iron Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, both 1 and 2, Shang-Chi, and Thor Ragnarok. Hmm. All of those were in IMAX? I guess they shot uh, some scenes, like... Yeah. Um, does this say exactly? Like, there's some movies where, like, oh, uh, 20 minutes is in IMAX. You know, if you've seen those kind of things, it's... Hmm. It's one of those things where I don't understand enough of the industry. I was like, why did you just shoot it all in IMAX <laughs> instead of cheaping out for the yeah. 20 minutes that you want to show the, the pew, pew, oh. pew. I mean, just, you know, let me see the whole thing. But there must be really good reasons. Otherwise, they wouldn't make this as, uh, as but complicated. Is, is IMAX as still shot on film, though? That's the thing, though, like, because it used to be the film, go, the 70 millimeter film going through a projector camera sideways, right? Like, like they rotate the image on the on the film. Um, I wonder if it's, it must be digital now, I would think, right? But, but it was interesting though, I was, I was, I was just noticed today when I was watching, um, Prodigy on my TV that there were significant black boxes on the top and bottom of the screen, which to make it the more, you know, uh, 16 by nine aspect ratio, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so I, it seemed like, and based on the image they have here with, with, uh, Black Widow showing the, you know, the, the blue line, which the, where the extra, you can see more of her hair and like, you know, you can see a little bit of debris behind her basic cause you're getting a, a lot taller image. Right. And that would sort of fill out that screen. Right. It's not like the old television aspect ratio, but it, but it is more significantly more, I guess it fills the screen more. And we also noticed, I think, um, Xavier and I both commented on, a few scenes in the very beginning of Dune, you could see that there was a significant black bar at the bottom of the of the projected image, and then when uh, an IMAX scene came on, it, the, the the view extended. Right, so mm-hmm. that must be because I know that with with Dark Knight and stuff like that, there were only like a few scenes that were shot mm-hmm. on IMAX. Right, you know, that was one of the earlier action adventure movies that was done on IMAX. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that he pointed out to me, uh, that Xavier pointed out to me was that IMAX enhanced is actually, a, it's, it's a brand, right? IMAX enhanced is a visual brand, but it's also an audio brand. And he was lamenting when I, I mentioned to him, did you see that they are upgrading the aspect ratio? And he said, yeah, whoop de do. When are they going to upgrade to IMAX enhanced audio too? <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause he's very much into, you know, uh, audio quality and, uh, you know, it's, I, just looking through this piece, it doesn't say anything at all about any of the IMAX enhanced audio. Now, the audio mix, from my perspective, and I think he would disagree, is that is is pretty good. Depending on obviously your your piece of equipment you're listening on, they do have uh, you know Dolby Vision and um, the the Dolby Sound and stuff like that. At Atmos, Atmos. Yeah. As well. yeah. So again, some TVs are obviously made for that. Unfortunately, we have a Samsung uh, television set, and those do not um, do not use the. Um, the you Dolby need a HomePod. Yeah, exactly. So you know, <laughs> again, I, 
remains to be seen sort of what, you know, what will happen as far as audio quality going forward on these things too. Yeah. Well, I can tell you that my friend that I was ta- talking about, um, with the, uh, who went and saw, um, Eternals went to the Ontario place Cinesphere and he said the one thing he regretted about it, it was packed. He said, first of all, he said, the one thing he regretted was the sound just isn't quite as up to snuff. I mean, it's the, one of the original IMAX theaters and I don't know that they've necessarily updated the sound, but I mean, IMAX used to be like one of the things that they used to go to IMAX for was to get that sort of surround sound because yeah. they used to, they had speakers all the way around the, your left and right, as well as up and down. And mm-hmm. so, you know, if a bullet went off in the top right hand corner, you would hear the sound in the top right hand corner, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So they could very, very easily place sounds within a sort of, you know, three three 360 sphere or was it 360 is much more than that. But, you know, within a, within a, a sort of space around you, right? Mm-hmm. Sort of thing. Mm-hmm sort of um the concept of surround sound that kind of stuff yeah yeah yeah. interesting which reminds me you know i went and i I don't know if you guys have ever heard about this but when earthquake the movie came out with yes that guy oj simpson um (laughs) when it came out they had these big giant subwoofers installed in all the theaters right so when the when the earthquake happened the entire theater would rumble with this giant sound that, you know, and it would shake the theater and, and you couldn't hear the dialogue. It was like, but it was like, you know, uh, it, it, you know, the, the audio equivalent of smell vision where they would spray stuff at you, you know, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, it was inter- like this, just sort of this, this thing they had, uh, this, this goofy, uh, you know, big giant speakers in the front of the theater. Yeah, I think they need to uh, they they need to bring movies like that those that sort of whole disaster genre back with those uh, those forty X theaters. You can smell the smoke, the sh- the thing shakes. They, they do that now. Okay, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't that be uh, wouldn't that be fun to get in one of those things? It'd be like you'd you'd be like shaking baby syndrome at the end of uh, an episode of the earthquake yeah. disaster movie. Yeah, my friend Ken and I, when we used to go to those, you know, the ones that had those D box seats with the, that shake and stuff, mm. we would all sit in the row in front or oh, just yeah. behind them because yeah, you yeah. get the same effect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your, your seat's moving, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, but you're not like being rocked around, like you know, you have to have a seatbelt on to stay in the seat, kind of deal. Yeah. Anyway, things we do for for movies, for effects. Mm-hmm. I guess I need to work on that for the Oculus too, right? <laughs> You have somebody punch you. In, I was just going to say, they send, a, they send a big guy over to just punch you in the ribs every time something happens. Yeah. Well, I really thought I would enjoy Rocky and Oculus, but it's been terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. And next we have next. some Star Wars news. Star Wars. Star Wars. Nothing Star, but Star Wars. Wars. Nothing but Star Wars. Uh, okay. So the announcement came... Earlier this year, we were going to get a Rogue Squadron movie from Patty Jenkins. Patty Jenkins, of course, uh, director of the last couple of Wonder Woman movies. Uh, Very talented director. This week, we got news that it is going to be a little bit longer. So she was originally going to be working on this flick, and this was supposed to be the first theatrical Star Wars movie after Rise of Skywalker, and that came out in 2019. So, you know considering they were kind of pumping out Star Wars movies on an annual basis, there was a bit of a gap and this was going to be the next one. It was scheduled for, uh, it was, I think it was supposed to come out in 2022. Um, and now it's scheduled for 2023 because she apparently has other commitments. Oh. Um, 
So apparently she was going to do Wonder Woman after she did Rogue Squadron, but now apparently she's going to do it before and has uh, she was going to do a remake of the uh, Elizabeth Taylor Cleopatra movie for Warner Brothers. And apparently that's also on the table. So, yeah, we're going to have to wait a little longer before we get a Rogue Squadron movie. I don't know about you guys. I'm. I'm interested in this movie. I, I like the property. I've read, you know, some of the, the comic book versions of this and I'm, I'm keen to see it, but I wasn't like, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. And if it gets delayed by a year, I don't really care, especially because Disney plus has sort of filled that void and, and, and really mm-hmm. well on the star Wars front. What, what are you guys thinking about this, this delay? Uh, well, I, mean, I, I totally forgot that the movie was coming out, but I mean, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously you're going to do wonder woman before you do, Rogue Squadron, really? You know, like why not? I mean, I'm I'm kind of torn. Like uh, I don't know you, what, what your guys overall. I can't recall what we talked about. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984. I thought it was fine. It wasn't like yeah. it wasn't it was a number two. It was it was a sequel. Yeah, it, there were some fine moments in it, and, and you know, all good performances and whatever. But it wasn't a great movie. It was a good movie. It was certainly you know, grab a pop, pop, bag of popcorn and enjoy the movie. Movie. It it wasn't like. Oh my goodness! I can't it was, wait for it was more. Small rats to clerks. Let's put it that way. Sure, sure. <laughs> How about you, Jaime? Yeah, I think I'm in a pretty similar spot, and that I'll probably be pretty pretty hyped to see it when it's imminent. But for the time being, if it's delayed, I, I think you're quite right. the The Star Wars um, fulfillment is coming out of Disney Plus nowadays, so it's not like you know, oh man, you know, maybe they're going to make a new series, and then, you know, some twenty years later, the prequels came out. We're yeah, not, I mean, if, if this had come, that. yeah, if this if this news had come and they were like, oh, by the way, we're gonna have to push off Mandalorian season three for another year, I'd be like, hey, 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 <laughs> yeah. But but in this case, I'm like, eh, yeah, I'm good for now. It's fine. It's fine. I got a lot of other stuff to keep me busy, and frankly, I don't need to spend another you know eighty bucks at the movie theater right now. The difference in perspective when your birth year begins with a one versus beginning with a two i think is what's uh what's happening here for folks <laughs> <laughs> we are like the 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 uh the wise elves in lord of the rings of like we've got time <laughs> what is it 50 years yeah whatever man that's fine i'll wait it out <laughs> yeah it's fine that's fine yeah some of us don't have 50 years though what come on well, yeah, that's negative what? thinking tim yeah, yeah really. true. well it's that's true you know i went to i went to a, a coaching thing once and they talked about you know all the sort of things you could do to change your your work career and your life career and your work life balance and stuff like that and you know if you pick a date in the future when you think you're gonna your life is going to end you know what's your life going to be like you know the year or two before like you've accomplished all this stuff you cleared all your you know your you got yourself all balanced and everything like that then why are you going to die the next year was the sort of lesson that you took away from that so mm-hmm. the life extension they called it but anyway just for the sake of our fans here i found i found the <laughs> lyrics to star wars yeah, give me those did. star wars um we've always said nothing about star wars so we were wrong but the uh the no, it's, it's credited, a, that's the third line it's, this is credited to uh, John Williams and Bill Murray. There you so, go. In the lounge. Star so Wars, just, give nothing, me those Star Wars. Nothing but Star Wars. Don't let them, don't let them in. Ah, <laughs> uh, Star Wars. If they should bar wars, please let these Star Wars stay. And hey, how about that nutty space Star Wars bar? God. <laughs> Can you believe all the creatures in there? 
<laughs> and hey, Darth Vader in that black and evil mask, do you scare you as much as he scared me? Star Wars, those near and far wars. <laughs> Star Wars, whatever. Oh, Bill Murray, you genius, you. Yes, he's a wonderful singer. There you go. All right. Speaking of Bill Murray. Speaking of Bill Murray, wow, what a great segue. So we got our final, quote-unquote, final trailer for Ghostbusters Afterlife. And a little more, a little more feel, a little more look. We get a little more, you know, that this has obviously got a, a pretty strong tie to this. Uh, you know, it's starring the sexiest man of 2021. That's too, right, right, starring the sexiest man alive, Mr. Paul Rudd. I'd like to point out he's in his 50s, and that's a great thing. Um, my first <laughs> thought, my, my first thought when I saw it, I genuinely thought this was, did Elba, did Idris Elba die? <laughs> no way. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. I mean, come on. I, 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 listen, Paul Rudd's a good-looking man, and I think he's very funny. But as long as Idris Elba's still alive, come on, come on, come on. That's true. That's true. Well, the, I think the I think the best tweet about that, just since we're still on the Paul Rudd story here, is that uh, Weird Al Yankovic posted a picture of Paul Rudd in a Halloween <laughs> yeah, costume as Weird Al, Weird Al saying, you know, congratulations on being the sexiest man alive in 2021. Dressed yep. like, yeah, yep. carrying a little mini accordion too. It's very funny. That's true. Oh, was he? I didn't see that. He was. He was. So uh, I don't know if you guys had a chance to look at this trailer, but it did spark for me that. That pressing question, and I know that, Jaime, this is definitely foremost on, on your mind, given that, um, that I think things are still a little tighter, perhaps, in the, in the Seattle area than they are maybe here in the, in the greater Toronto area. Mm -hmm. Is Ghostbusters Afterlife a go-to-the-theater movie for you guys? I am a huge Ghostbusters fan. I saw the first movie when I was 10 years old. I went for a friend's birthday party. We went and saw it, and it blew me away. I was like, this is the greatest movie. And I, and I absolutely loved it. And, of course, this was, you know, just coming off of, uh, you know, Empire had come out the year before, and, we you know, the, that trilogy had sort of wrapped up, and I was just enthralled by this movie. That was great and must have seen it uh, dozens of times over the years. And then, you know, the sequel came along, Ghostbusters 2, really enjoyed it. They did do the the uh, the television show, the Real Ghostbusters cartoon. Did enjoy that too, although yeah. I was starting yeah. to age out a little bit on that. And then, uh, they, of course, up, uh, whatever that was four four years ago, they did the uh, all female cast version that was clearly set in in that you know um, you know genre, but it was a, a different take. And I thought it was actually really quite. Well done. I actually enjoyed that movie, but it didn't resonate quite the same way. And so here we've got Ivan Reitman, the original director's son, uh, coming back to as uh, Jason doing the, um, the Ghostbusters Afterlife as this sort of tie back to the original trilogy. We know that we're going to get uh, appearances from Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray. Um, I, don't, I, I assume we're also getting, I don't know. I've never even looked. Yeah, that's true. Um, anyways, so my question back to you guys is, is this a go see it in the theater experience? Is, is this one you're willing to wait for or do you, are you interested at all? Yeah, I think this is a go see it in the theater thing. I mean, unfortunately, the, I mean, the go see it in the theater thing, a lot of that has to do with the crowd too, right? I mean, but, you know, I, I still find it a little odd to be in a room with other people that I don't know. But, you know, it's it's kind of but that was sort of the always the sort of thing you you, you go see it, 
hopefully in the first week when it's out because you're you know you're in a room with people who are diehard you know ghostbusters fans right and they're going to react to the same you know tie-ins that you hopefully you'll react to i mean that's how we how we feel about when we go see star wars movies and star trek movies right it's always you know the those kind of people uh there are there um yeah i mean and and yeah this this particular one i mean i probably would have seen the the all-female cast one in the theaters too if if time had worked out but you know I, i ended up seeing that one on rental or something but um, or Netflix or whatever it came out, I guess. But yeah, I think I would go see this one in the theater. Okay, I just looked it up, and yes, Ernie Hudson and Ernie Sigourney Hudson. Weaver are theoretically supposed to be at least cameoing in this movie. Okay. Oh, I okay. see. But okay. no Rick Moranis. Uh, no, but I mean, good luck getting Rick Moranis to be in yeah. anything. Uh, how about you, Jaime? What did, uh, is this a is this a go see it? And again, particularly given your circumstances, I'm curious. Yeah, I think this one's borderline. So maybe what I might try to do is sneak out for a, a midday showing. Um, you know, try to use Google uh, Google Maps to figure out what days are the slowest days, what hours are the slowest hours, and and go to like a ten a.m. on Tuesday showing or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, Wednesday, Wednesday night in Oakville sounds pretty good yeah, too. Right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, that 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 might be the case to uh, the the way to do it to just get out there. Um, so we have uh, Yanksgiving coming up pretty soon. That's so right. That's kind of an awkward time because people, including the kiddos, will be out. So when is it coming out? The nineteenth, I think. Yeah. Oh, and Thanksgiving is what the eighteenth or something? No, it's the week after. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would say I think that would be a, a good time to go because that's kind of sort of what Jonathan and I did was we we had today Remembrance Day off, mm-hmm. and uh, so yeah, yeah. I was thinking about sort of what's left on the on the slate are are the movies that I'd really like to see in the theater. I feel like the window is shutting quickly on on seeing the new James Bond, which stinks because I would have really liked to have seen that, and uh, now it's already it's it's already shifting into the smaller size theaters oh so it's not even in the, in the big the big guys anymore? maybe it is at a different theater at, here at the theater that we often go to it's uh it's not in the imax it's not in the avx it's already moved off to the the site the side theaters so you can still go see it but it's it's a different experience obviously how are the numbers doing on that i wonder i have not looked but i mean it's it's been out for a while already and as as you and i talked about the other day it's already made its move to uh to on-demand rental oh yeah no you're right i'm probably i'm probably gonna i'm probably gonna rent it and watch it on tv yeah so i mean that's that's an option it's an option for any of these movies i I am a little disappointed because i I really have enjoyed the daniel craig uh movies in the theater and i think i would have liked to have seen that but i'm not sure that i'll make it for that one but we were talking about you know what's sort of what's still the must see this this sort of holiday season you know i think i think spider-man no way home is a slam dunk i think that one i want to see in the theater matrix Mm -hmm. resurrections i think is a slam dunk and then it was sort of like well what else is out there like what you know ghostbusters okay sure you know what else is like you know really on your radar um that you that you feel like you would you know make that effort for that's coming out or yeah that's coming out in the next you know the next little while hmm. have to go what i'll have to go to an app let's try flickster yeah i'm not sure that there's much this might be it because um i was not planning to see 
uh, even prior to y'all's uh, uh, semi-review there, I was not planning to see Eternals in the theater. I was going to wait for Disney+. Plus. Um, this one, Ghostbusters, as weird as it sounds, I think because it's not available some other way anytime soon, it kind of tips the balance a little bit, which I guess is sort of the strategy for some of the movies that are coming out that'll say, you know, exclusively in theaters. Mm-hmm. Wait, are we not going to go see Clifford the Big Red Dog in the theater? <laughs> no, man, that's on Paramount Plus here. Oh, oh, no. That's going to be, I, I'm sure it's going to be like Paw Patrol. We're going to have it on in the background. We on some 100% expect your review, Jaime. We, yeah. really, we expect you to, to break that down for us. Our, Our fans want doing, to know. You yeah. know, Sunday chores, whatever weekend that, that comes out. Or, it comes or out this week weekend. After. Is this yeah. weekend? Okay. Oh, maybe. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it might be my yeah, opening Friday. It says, yeah, folding yeah. laundry and doing dishes. Oh, coming soon! Is it coming soon here? Yeah. So I just took a quick scan, and and as far as major releases, and, and please forgive me if I'm if I'm uh, forgetting something that you're excited about, dear listeners. But from what I see, you know, Ghostbusters is coming out on the 19th of November. Uh, there's a new Resident Evil movie. Depends on who you are, whether you like that. There are some other movies that are not sort of genre. So, you know, House of Gucci, Encanto, the new um, Walt Disney movie. Um, there are a few other th- sort of things mixed in there that you, know, you, you can decide if you want to watch those. I don't think they're really for this for this audience. West Side Story remake is coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, I can live without seeing that in the theater personally. And then, yeah, Spider-Man is coming out Spider on, on yeah. December 17th. And then on the 22nd of December, we're going to get The Matrix Resurrections. Versus uh, The Kingsman. I the Kingsman is also coming out. Again, I have not seen The Kingsman movies, so I, I'm not... It doesn't yeah, really do anything for me. Much. So uh, that would it's uh, like it's like James Bond meets Men in Black, basically. Yeah. So I mean, cool. I'll watch it eventually when I watch the other ones on uh, in certain streaming service here. So really, it's just a matter of whether you know uh, whether James Bond is still on the menu. But beyond that, Matrix, Ghostbusters, and Spider Man are the sort of the three big tent poles to come. Are they all slam dunks? Are they all musts? I mean, it's funny you mentioned it, Jaime that, that Eternals was was never really on your on your radar to see. When was the last time there was a Marvel movie released in the theater where you were like, Meh, p- pandemic notwithstanding? <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you remove the pandemic from the equation, I think it's it's difficult to to think about. I think maybe Thor: The Dark World maybe was one that I was like, oh, I can wait for that one. Um, but I don't know if I'm misremembering that and just sort of adding in the narrative in, in my own head or if it was actually the way I thought about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's what, here's what's coming up in, in a real brief, I think, just from our, for our, our point of view. So you mentioned all the way up to Spider-Man, Matrix, right? Mm-hmm. Um, next up, I think, would be... Oh, the Morbius one we talked about last week. I don't know if I would want to see that in the theater. Uncharted. Uh, the Batman... Ooh, there's another Downton Abbey movie coming, and Sonic 2. And Doctor Strange um, is coming, but that's not until Strange. Strange. Yeah. yeah, that's May 6th. May, yeah, May 6th. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a new Jurassic World coming. Lightyear is coming on the 17th of June, so we're Top way into Gun June. Top Gun Maverick, anyone? I think I missed that one. I don't know, I don't know how I skipped over that one. Yeah, and uh, Mission Impossible 7's coming, too. There's a new Thor coming. There's a Black Adam, Black Adam coming, which... Mm-hmm. Um, there's a new Flash. There's a new uh, Black, uh, the Black Panther is November. Avatar two, which is a pass. Um, <laughs> you say that, but I I bet you by the time it comes around, we might give it some serious thought because those movies are say what you will, they are a visual 
delight. That that as a movie going experience, seeing Avatar in 3D in the theater, it was an incredible technological achievement. Cameron, right. whether or not you like his storytelling or his characters or whatever, he makes really interesting films. Yeah. The Marvels is uh, next in this is February 2023. And then Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is 2023 as well, May. And then Quantumania? Yeah. And Man of the Wasp, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think from here on out, Eternals was always, always the question mark for me. Will I make the effort for Eternals? And again, it was always predicated on, well, what will the environment be at the time? Everything else that's coming out is a sequel or is very connected to the established MCU. You know, we're going to get Spider-Man. We're going to get Doctor Strange. We're going to get all these, you know, the new Thor movie. They're all picking up threads that we're comfortable with. For me, again, as long as the pandemic is is manageable, those are all theater movies for me. But it's funny because we talked about this and we've talked about it in a few episodes. The MCU has built trust in me to the point where I'm like, I will go see and I'll take a chance on something like Eternals. On the flip side of that, when you were just listing off the other stuff and you were like Black Adam and I'm like, no. <laughs> you know, I like I like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I, you know, and I'm familiar with I did, the character I did Black Adam. Bob, the Bob's Burgers movie. That's Bob's Burgers coming out. Sure. But that's, is that a theater movie? I don't think so. I don't think so. That's the thing. I think, you know, they really have to think about how user habits have changed during this. I mean, look at look at Jaime's luxurious uh, HBO Max Paramount Plus subscriptions have, have, you know, dropped these movies day and date on his lap. You know, it's going to be hard to go back after that. Right. I mean, you're going to really have to want to spend that time, effort, money, safety to make the effort to go back to the theater, you need, you might be pretty choosy, you know, again, matrix has me, Spider-Man has me, ghostbusters probably has me, but you know, then we get to the other side of Christmas. You know, I was thinking about this, the, the, the other movie that I really wanted to see was the new Edgar Wright. And right, yeah. it's out, it's out right now. You and I can go yeah. see it tomorrow. However, I'm like, back to the theater again. Is it, is it, you know, he makes really good looking movies and it looks really stylish. And I'm like, I kind of want to see it in the theater. But if I have to see but it at the home. The problem with that is that, like, we've seen, the, I've seen too much of it. I mean, there's been too much talk about it now. Like, you know, it's kind of like, you remember I used, never used to like to read the back of the video cases when we rented videos back in the day, right? <laughs> yeah, I used to leave it to me. Well, because, I mean, like, you know, I just, I, find, I can read too much into the, in, like, in a preview or whatever. And I've seen too much about the. Last night in Soho, yeah. Yeah, so that I'm thinking, like, do I, like, I mean, yeah, it's Edgar Wright, and, and there are, he does really good films, but, you know, just has, have they spoiled it for me, you know? Mm, yeah, I'd like, still I'd still watch it. I, I like the actors in it. I like Matt Smith. I like uh, Thompson McKenzie. Yeah, I like, you yeah. know, Amy Taylor-Joy. I, I would watch that, mm. ir- irrespective of... I mean, in and, the theater, and, and just makes fun movies. In the theater, would you or would you watch it on TV, right? I'd like to see it in the theater, but I just don't know that i would i will make the time for it given the circumstances it is also it's not a blockbuster movie it's probably playing in in smaller theaters Mm -hmm. and you know there's complications that come with that too so that yeah it's a circumstantial thing cool well ghostbusters i think are we all three in or i i yeah i'd say especially after this trailer where we do see like there's some very overt references to the original film and yeah i i think We'll see what the circumstances may change our um, change our paths, but I think I'm in. 
And I'm thinking the 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 uh, is it um, the girl with the glasses? Is she Egon's granddaughter? Yes. Or or, is it, or yes. Finn? Uh, Finn. I, I got the impression <laughs> it was was her, but yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe she's like a combination of Egon and and uh, what was the name of the girl that played the secretary? Oh, Amy Potts. Yeah, I think Amy, Amy Potts, Potts is supposed yeah. to be her grandma. I think that I think oh, they yeah, may okay. have tipped that. Uh, that was okay. the impression yeah. I got from one of the yeah, trailers. She had the same glasses on, right? Yep. So. Yep. Cool. Alrighty. All right. Last and up. Some sad news. Yes. Yeah. Last up for our uh, for our headlines, uh, we had a passing this week. Dean Stockwell uh, died this week at the age of eighty five. Dean Stockwell, um, you know, he had a very long and and you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, very diverse career. For our world, he's probably best known as uh, as Al on Quantum Leap. He played that character right. for five years. He was, you know, uh, working alongside Scott Bakula, and it was the show, of course, where you know uh, Sam uh, is, you know, stuck traveling through time, trying to rectify these things that went wrong. Al is in the future, trying to sort of help him navigate his way through this. Uh, you know, funny role. You know, the, the sort of sort of cantankerous guy pushing buttons on the machine, trying to figure out, you know, what the what the reason why that Sam has leapt into this stuff. And he was very, uh, you know, the 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 chemistry between him and, and Bakula is really good on that show. And he was definitely a very enjoyable character. He's also really um, you know, in our world again, he's known for Dune. Uh he was in the original David Lynch Dune movie. He was also I he worked with David Lynch on a couple of things. He worked on Blue Velvet famously. Yeah. Battlestar uh, Galactica. Battlestar Galactica so he's and he had one of the most iconic 1980s mustaches it's just it is <laughs> if you get a chance please look up dean stockwell's 1980s mustache it is the most yeah. villainous looking mustache ever put on someone's face he had this like big gap in the middle and these two little like pencil lines down the side it, it looks like something out of a out of an old movie it was really it was iconic um and yeah, he was, you know, he was around for a long time. He, you know, he was an award nominated actor. He was, you know, around playing, uh, he was a child actor. He was in all kinds of different things and, um, yeah, definitely going to be missed. He was, uh, he was definitely one of those faces you saw in movies. You knew that he was like, Oh, he's in this. All right, cool. Well, it's going to be good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he was, in, he was, I mean, he sort of was everywhere for a while there too, right? Oh yeah. I mean, he was, he yeah. was one of those just in a ton of different things starting, well, as they say, back in the 1950s, right? You know, and, mm-hmm. and he was in different things and then he, you know, migrated on to, you know, different TV appearances, lots of movies. He was, he was just in everything. Uh, he was in an episode of the Twilight Zone way back when, I mean, this guy, this guy had a legendary career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he will be missed by us. Yes. I'm just yeah. thinking about the little sort of iPhone thing that he had, which wasn't really an iPhone. It had buttons on it. But... Well, and it made all those funny noises, right? Yeah. And he would, he would sort of see the future or see the next mission kind of thing. Yeah. He would be like, well, it appears you're in this time and it appears you're... Sam, I hate to tell you, you're a, you're a man in a woman's body and uh, it's <laughs> yeah. 1963, so it's going to be a tough time for you. Yeah. That was always a fun, fun. They could always play with that that plot line. Cool. All righty, we'll come back to uh, those wacky devices in a bit. But um, remind me after the after we get through the next section. So we're at the main part of the show. This is the part we are all tuned in for to see us talk about the Star Trek Prodigy. We're at season one, episode four, Dream Capture, and uh, I'm just going to regale us with some 
high moments and low moments? Yeah, so um, I wrote down here verbatim the description on Paramount Plus, which says, The crew has their first away mission on an undiscovered planet that manifests their deepest desires, only to realize the planet has desires of its own. I feel like that's fairly accurate. It feels way better. I don't know if you've ever read the Netflix descriptions for episodes uh, <laughs> no. like TNG and so they're like bonkers they tell you nothing I always have to go to memory alpha to figure out wait is this one I care about or is this some other one that I don't yeah and it's sort of a it's an interesting trope because I think it's a Star Trek trope because oh, yeah. it, it reminds me of shore leave right like where bones gets killed and gets brought back by playboy bunnies and that kind of stuff you know <laughs> yeah. yeah this uh, i saw you had put that in there i mean i immediately was like that's the most star trek sentence i think i've ever seen <laughs> it, it was just it's like the encapsulation of it could be any number of star trek episodes yeah yeah, for yeah. Sure. uh so we start right off here with uh, the way that many star trek episodes start off with the captain's log this time done by dell and uh, sounds like there's not much going on in in their lives so the hologram janeway is teaching the crew the sort of starfleet basics of how to you know navigate so they don't you know fly into deadly things you know sort of the the on the job training sort of stuff as they're spending their time cruising the galaxy trying to get away from the the diviner uh gwyn is uh, still in the brig when the uh proximity alert discovers an uncharted m class planet in the I wrote area, but I think this is the Herogen system, mm-hmm. which is interesting as a callback to the Herogen from uh, Voyager, yeah. who were uh, a nomadic race, uh, a hunter race. So uh, kind of interesting to see if we um, encounter anything. I guess spoilers here. This is the first part of a two-parter. Um, yep. Because this, yep. this ends on a cliffhanger. Um, uh, apparently, uh, according to, to Jane Wade, protocol calls for exploring strange new worlds. So she sort of browbeats the uh, the crew into heading there. <laughs> so <laughs> she threatens them, right? Yeah, she... despite Dal's insistence that they you know they can't stop anywhere, they need to keep running as fast as they can from the diviner. Uh, so that was kind of interesting, and, and maybe gives us a hint at uh, what hologram Jane Wade is capable of. You know, how how close is she to something like? the emh and and is it going to be like early emh versus later emh for voyager's run yeah i, I like the uh, the gag that she does there too where she says you know it's an m-class planet and dal says no 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 we're not going to any m-class planets only a-class planets for my crew <laughs> yeah 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 uh, but it continues that whole theme. You mentioned the the learning the basics, Jaime. Like th- th- this is where we picked up last week, right? This is Star Trek one hundred and one. What's an M class planet, kids? Oh, actually, yeah, it is one of those things where they and and we'll see this later with some of the equipment stuff where you sort of have the basics being explained not just to the the characters but to the presumably young audience as well. Yeah, I, I said to uh, Xavier earlier when we were talking about. Uh, this show i said yeah we it may as well be called starter trek because it really is the <laughs> right. beginning yeah 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 um uh, so in between here we have the uss protostar landing on on the planet uh, it seems to have kind of more of a ski to land instead of voyager's quadruped style landing so uh, I guess they, they, they put all the budget on the fancy extra warp core and, and third nacelle <laughs> and put no money into it. Like, we have $20 left to make this thing land. 
Or they were just preparing, like, what if, say, for example, uh, Deanna Troy is going to land this thing and we need to, like, have a slide landing? Maybe we'll just put a ski on the front of this thing. Yeah. Put a big old snowboard so it can land properly. Yeah. It could have worked out better if we'd had that when, you know, she was like careening this thing through a mountainside. You know, you could put a ski on there. What the heck? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, like we said before, the the crew and, and the younger audience watching this show is introduced to the concepts of uh, tricorders, which in this design look like, like thick iPads, and type 1 phasers, which look like you know, flip phones and a little bit different of a design than uh, we've seen before. Aren't flip phones cool? Let's make them look like flip phones. <laughs> the kids I'm nowadays are nostalgic. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking, so, so let's take a little segue here into out-of-universe concerns for the designs, right? Because this is a, a children's show. So I think the tricorders are intentionally made to look more like tablets because it's oh, something yeah. that a child would realistically have yeah. experience with, uh, even yeah. at an early age. and the Phasers are probably intentionally made to look less like guns for for many many Perhaps. reasons. Yeah, right. yeah, that's a good, that's a really good call, Henry. Yeah, I mean that was always kind of true for the the remote control and and dustbuster designs for um, phasers in in TNG, but I feel like they they stand out as remarkably different from let's see the guns we saw in Picard or Discovery, right? Yeah. So that, that's something to keep an eye on. Um, speaking of these phasers, Jenkin Pog promptly phasers himself. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Um, and they get told about uh, this rover called the Runaway, which has uh, all sorts of, of nifty cool, you know, utilities as a as a land rover including hold on to your butts grab handles which, <laughs> uh, my first comment was how can you hold on to the grab handles if you're holding on to your butt hmm. I, you know i i have joked before with folks of like look i am if a hole opens up in an airplane i am absolutely not getting sucked out and they said well what do you mean? <laughs> i was like because my butt cheeks are going to be grabbing that seat so hard <laughs> that there's just no way. They're like, you're not strong. I was like, my butt is. <laughs> my hands may not be, but my butt can't. So this, this is what I assume is happening. But I don't know. I don't know this new design. We'll, we'll you know, put a pin in this one and, and hang on to this as future follow-up, I suppose. And, uh, I did like the explained. naming, though. I, I, I like the fact that it's the runaway along with the runabout, right? I didn't catch that when I watched it live. Yeah, and she only right. mentions that the phasers have stun setting. She doesn't mention the other setting. That would yeah, be that joke would have been less funny if Jank and Pog had a hole in them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So by default, true. they're they're set to stun, maybe maybe lightly annoy or something. <laughs> and I just want to go back to the comment about going through the plane. I I always thought that the the making a hole in the plane and having all the content sucked out was a myth, like a Hollywood myth. I don't think that really happens. Well, I mean, there's there's a difference between you know punching a hole like you're you know drinking some boba or something but yeah there's a difference between that and like a section of fuselage is a hole oh yeah no, <laughs> totally yeah i could, that 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 part i can see like you know the one where the whole half the you know rows of seats go out as a as you know planes collide or whatever but mm-hmm. but i'm thinking of the james bond goldfinger death scene where goldfinger gets sucked through the portal of the window because bond shoots a Oh, yeah, you know, puts and, a hole in the window, yeah. And Otto Preminger is a huge guy, right? Like, to have him suck through, a, like, a, a, a window of a of an airplane is kind of an impossibility, right? So, Unless like he you gets think very, his mass very, very would, liquidy, yes. Well, I was going to say his mass would have plucked up the hole, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, anyway, 
back to the show. Yeah. Um, so this whole crew is supposed to come out here and explore the planet, uh, except Janeway, who, you know, gets asked about it. And she's like, well, I'm a hologram. I have to stay on the ship. I like can't move anywhere. And, uh, and Murph, the, uh, blob dog as far as we can i mean maybe he's sentient for all we know but he hasn't really shown that yet he seems more like a mascot than anything else at this time yep and uh, i noted here in my notes that uh, of the crew who's exploring jankum pog who did indeed phaser himself is the only one with the common sense to wear an environmental suit which i thought was interesting it becomes an interesting note later on which i want to dive into when we get there but he yep. was the one who was like you know, I don't care if they tell me that it's okay to breathe. I'm going to wear this suit to protect me. Yeah. But he can smell through it, which I found really strange. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll dig, dig into that when it gets to that scene. But I, I noted that in the notes as well. Um, so, again, this is uh, a kid's show where people need to be a little bit more extreme versions. Dal is wildly reckless and drives away in the, in the runaway. So he just doesn't know how to, you know, coordinate with a team. Um, there's a claim from using their tricorders that there are no nutrients in the soil, but there are plants. Don't, 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 don't. Yeah. 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 So we'll, we'll probably talk a little bit about that too and what's going on. Cause it, it's still left kind of mysterious, even uh, in the cliffhanger part of this episode, but moving along, we have, um, you know, Gwen showing off that she's got some sort of telepathy thing to make her blade ooze out of its container that it's been locked in and it frees her from the brig. And I'm like, is this something like programmable material? Is this a, yeah. a call out to disco and it's uh, future jump stuff? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But it seemed like it could be. Yeah. Uh, and- it's cause she, cause she turns it from a sword into a shield at one point in the last episode, which she's fighting with rock. She, uh, she turns it into a shield at one point. Right. So it clearly it's like connected to her. Maybe she's an eternal. Oops. Oh, what? What? Hang on. <laughs> yeah. I figured like from the other things we'd seen like, Oh, okay. It can morph in some, you know, undisclosed way, but this one, it kind of like oozed out of the container. Like it went mm-hmm. through like, like a liquid oozing out of the, the little cracks in the container, which I thought was interesting and had kind of neat. Um, so she goes to hack Janeway uh, who doesn't have face ID off. Apparently you can just <laughs> kind of blink at her like the, uh, the other holograms and, and be good. Um, and she has apparently been taught from like day one by her father, the diviner, uh, how to hack starfleet technology so he's been like clearly training her this whole time to to find and take over the protostar um and as you know a, a good child might she uh contacts dreadnought and tells him that he has that she has control of the protostar and the crew kind of all at this point splits off into their own little fantasy areas right there's like the harry potter hedge maze there's jenkin pog saying how like you know, he smells this great stew, which made me think, wait a minute, how can he smell this gas yeah. from within his spacesuit? Is it, does it have a rebreather tech? Did he put it on wrong? Yeah. What, what ideas do y'all have here? Well, I, yeah, I guess the idea is that he's not necessarily bright enough to think about that, but it's probably affecting him telepathically, right? No, I think, mm-hmm. well, yo, yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. But I think that, uh, yeah, that, that, that sounds plausible now, but I think it, I kind of got the impression that maybe you could smell things through the suit just because of the, you know, because you need to know what's in your environment kind of thing, right? But then again, why would you? What if you're really in, in a really nasty environment? Yeah, it's interesting. And then the next comment that Jaime has here that I, as soon as he did that, I went, ooh, don't do that. Yes. Uh, I guess this is a good teaching moment for the kiddos. Don't use your helmet as a bowl. 
That's not yeah. what it's for. Yeah. <laughs> well, because you have to live. With, I was thinking. I was, I was thinking like in the next scene, he's walking around with like stew dripping onto his head. You know. Yeah, I don't think Jankum's a long-term thinker. No, I, I get the impression he's more no. a live-in-the-moment kind of dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, people who are better at catching this sort of thing than I was, because um, I did read a little bit on the internet, claim that he very briefly says that the stew reminds him of. Um, the kind of things they would make on the sleeper ship he was on. So people are right. saying, oh, maybe that's how he got to the Delta Quadrant. You know, he and maybe other Tellarites were on some sort of sleeper ship. Hmm. You know, is it, it, I'm going to screw up this this quote. It's like second start of the right and straight on until morning. Is that? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tinkerbell. Yep. Peter Pan. Peter Pan and Captain Kirk at the end of Undiscovered Country. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, so again, other crew members. So Rock Talk is encountering like space bunnies that don't show up on the sensors or more weird stuff is going on. Zero in the in the hedge maze, I think, the Harry Potter hedge maze, sees a, a Starfleet-esque engine down on the planet. Mm-hmm. Dal is seeing people who, uh, from behind, who kind of look like himself. Maybe they're his parents. And that's where we yeah. end up encountering a creepy Janeway, which is the... Mm-hmm like manifestation of the plant tendril thingies that are saying like, we can see what you want and, and, and we can give it to you. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, his twitchy trigger finger does blast the plant Janeway and, uh, uh, Gwyn back on the ship is, is trying to take off with it, but the plants are having none of that. So they're entangling the ship and making it a, a huge pain. Um, Dal at least has the sense to drive around to try to save folks who uh, need to hold on to their butt grab handles. This does come up as a <laughs> yeah. common, yeah. a common yeah. phrase. It's it's funny too because you know Dal so far has been much more self serving in the first two parter and then in the in the third episode he's been very much like me first, everyone else last. And when he realizes, like, uh-oh, this is going south, the fact that he goes and gathers up his his crewmates his pals, yeah. is yep. a bit of a departure from character. Uh, interesting departure from character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, one question I have before we carry on here is, is mm-hmm. so the eight-year-old in me is telling Zero, like, just go up to get out of the maze. Like, she can fly, right? So just yeah. float yourself up, you know? Yeah. Anyway, whatever. They, they I think... Right. Uh, Zero does uh, figure out that the plants want to show them their desires and 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 take over. Um, they swing by and pick up Jenkum, who's apparently been eating a mud pie. That's what he's been <laughs> doing this whole time. Um, but it tasted so real. I don't know where this happens, but they skip. O- I skipped over Rock Talk, who was like getting dragged by the the um, the tendrils into like the earth, thinking that she was cuddling a whole bunch of space bunnies. Yeah, and they, I think they throw something at her face or something, right? To knock yeah, they her throw out a rock it. at her head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wakes her up. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Gwyn sees her desires, which is her dad looking like a lot better shape than he seemed to have been when he came out of the like little jar, pickle jar thing that he yeah, was the, in. The back to tank. Yeah, back mm-hmm. to tank. Yes, yes. And um, he's telling her all this stuff, and she's like, "All right, let's let's go." He's like, no, let's let's hang out here for a little bit. And she's like, whoa, wait a minute. For one, you're like too nice to be my father, and my father has yeah. been searching for this ship since day one that I've known him. Like, there's just no way he would hesitate. So she sniffs it out 
from from that right the mm-hmm. being a, a little too nice and and not being um anxious enough to claim his prize yeah i like i like that moment because to me it said you know something that every kid probably thinks about their parents like no this is suspicious you're being too nice what's wrong yeah. exactly yeah. exactly um so the 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 gathered crew of of uh, folks is on the runaway they're speeding towards the protostar but ship is attempting to fly away it's entangled uh the murph dog is is crying like a puppy and the shuttlecraft is gwyn's trying to find some way to escape uh she does get out in the shuttlecraft with with murph but both the ship and the shuttlecraft crash land and the the full united crew comes together and says you stranded us all here and we uh, we cut to close dun 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 yeah i mean there's uh so looking at this episode um there's quite a bit going on in the, you know, what is it, 20 to 22 minutes. And it's, it feels like it's a good blend of just complicated enough to feel like Star Trek uh, episodes, but simple enough, I think, for kids to follow along and get what's going on. Yeah, yeah I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. I still feel like, you know, I was out, out today with my son and, and we were talking about it and I said, you know, yeah, it's Star Trek, definitely. There's a lot of explanation organically, like the writers are doing a good job. It's not slap you in the face, you know, uh, plot details and, and, uh, and you know, Star Trek world details, but they're doing a good job of sort of laying the foundation of, hey, if you watch this, kids, you'll be able to understand better when your dad makes you sit down and watch Voyager or TNG or <laughs> whatever. It's true. Like, I really, it is It is Star Trek 101 mixed with, you know, again, fun, funny moments, mixed with fun characters. It really does feel, it's funny, we talked about it being very much in line with, with Clone Wars, but yeah, I think I, I do think it's skewing a little younger because it, it definitely is a little more, you know, um, it's, it's a little more spoon-fed. I think, I think obviously that will wean over time it logically it will they won't need to continue going back and spoon feeding you this stuff but yeah it works you know again this is not trek for us this is trek for a younger audience it you know i think all trek fans will continue to watch all trek but yeah i think it definitely is much more catered to a a younger audience and i think it's serving it well and i was thinking too when they when they define the m class m classification i i recall seeing something like that in in an early you know, the original series show that sort of had a 60s charm to it where they would kind of explain science or, or their version of science to the audience through, you know, somebody saying, well, it's a called an M class planet because, you know, we can breathe and it's very earth like kind of idea. Right. I mean, um, I don't remember the exact statement, but that was kind of how they would define it. And then, you know, as they, if you fall, if you've done any research on the original series, you'll find that, you know, they bounced around different ideas. They had different kind of holsters for the phasers. They had different kind of phasers too. They even had a little handheld one that looked like a communicator as well. Right. Um, less like a gun because the original ones were a gun, but then they, they had these different styles that they tried. I mean, and they did the same sort of thing in that show is what I'm saying is that, while they they would have these, you know, uh, conundrums that that Kirk and the gang would go through, and then in the storytelling that someone would say, "Oh, we're in the OK Corral," or "Oh, hey, can't you see he's black on the one on the left and I'm black on the right?" kind of deal, right? Like they would very clearly explain to the '60s 
audience what was going on in the same sense that they're doing here with targeting the young kids right but I, but again too it's interesting to see what they don't say like for instance she doesn't tell them that there's a kill setting on the phaser she just says there's a stun setting and that's the default right so there's they're generally notwithstanding i'm getting guess getting stunned isn't a pleasant experience but notwithstanding you're not killing people by pointing the gun at them or pointing the phaser at them and pulling the trigger well mm-hmm. was it was it star trek 6 where um the two the two people who help kill the chancellor or killed mm-hmm. themselves by a stun blast at close range something like you can't that, activate yeah. a kill because if you activate a kill it sets off the alarms inside yeah, so they were killed alarms, by a stun blast at close range no, what Jenkinbog just did. Yeah, he kind of like, yeah, he had pointed it at himself. Like, yeah, less than three feet away for sure, yeah. I'm telling you, the show could have taken an interesting twist to be like, and that's how Jenkinbog died, kids don't play with guns. <laughs> but even in that show, um, I've forgotten the name of the character, but uh, Canada's own... Um, oh, Kim Cattrall, yeah. Kim Cattrall. Uh, she explains sabotage in the same way. Oh, right? sabotage, but- yes sabotage what what the actual definition of that is which i'm again most people don't even i mean i didn't know until i saw the movie to be Mm -hmm. honest with you about the wooden shoes um but uh the that's the same sort of thing like they do that in movies and they do that you know all the time we don't really notice it but you know when you come to like the next generation you may not notice it as much as you do here but you know yeah and they and a friend of mine used to talk about those grab handles, hold on to your butt handles, but she called them something completely different that I can't say. Yeah, holy, some, holy something <laughs> handles, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, that every car has, you know, if you look, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, she, and she played Valeris. That was the, because. Um, Valeris, thank you. I was yes. thinking about that. I was, I don't know why, but when I was out doing yard work the other day, I was, I was just kind of uh, the, the fact that they had to remake that character, because it was supposed to be Savick, yeah. right? Yes. It was originally supposed to be Savick, and it was supposed to be a continuation of the Savick character from Star Trek 2 II and 3, that, that she came back aboard, of, aboard the ship, and she's the one that sort of betrays Kirk. And I was thinking, God, that would have been so much better. Yeah. That yeah. would have made so much more bookend sense for her to be the one who's like, I lost David. And I've yeah. seen the Klingons like this, and therefore that's why I'm betraying you. With Valerius, it has like no gravitas. I I don't know why. Again, that just it was just sitting in my brain when I was out shoveling the other day doing some yard work, and I was like, damn, that would have made a so much better coda for for Star Trek Six if it could have been actually been Savic. Well, whenever you have a Vulcan, like you know, when you think about pure Vulcans, right? Whenever they have them in a plot twist like this, you know, because, mm. you know, we're pure trek- trekkers. We don't expect that. You know, we don't, ex- we don't expect Spock to be behind reunification, you know, but mm. I think we do, right? Like, generally, and, and or like even the the Romulan dude uh, that Tom Hardy plays, you know. Um, oh, he's Riemann, right? Yeah, he Riemann, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but even that sort of like... You know, we don't know much about the Remans, which was why they were able to. You know, yeah, they could fudge some stuff. Yeah, yeah, but but you know the, and that's sort of playing off the whole Romulus and Remus yeah, um, yeah, from yeah. Roman mythology, right? But yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting the way they they kind of twist these things around. And but but yeah, like this whole idea of explaining stuff. I mean, we we get that in adult movies too. We just don't really notice that we're being told spoon fed in that same sense, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, plot, plot exposition has to go somewhere, right? Yes, exactly. 
Uh, I pasted into our show notes the uh, the memory alpha piece on the mm. class, the planet class system, and it's pretty interesting. It's a it's a good little rabbit hole. Maybe we'll put that in our in our show notes. But the uh, the idea of what a class M planet is, what the M stands for, what some of the other letters mean. Um, it's it's a nice little little digression if you're interested. I think again for their purposes of Star Trek, you know, being taught to a, perhaps a younger audience, saying a class M planet is a planet you can breathe on is perfect. But uh, yeah. it's a it's a fun little rabbit hole to go down to. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like it, like it, I was going to say, and also would have to have water, right? And it says here that Vulcan does not have a, an abundance of water, so it's not deemed. Oh, but it is deemed a, uh, uh, an M class planet. Yeah, it's habitable. Strange but not necessarily yeah. abundant in liquid water. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. All right. Well, good, good episode. Definitely looking forward to seeing how they resolve this. It did feel very, very Trek. It, it was, you know, again, the whole like a planet yeah. that knows your desires and is going to cater to your whim, but it has a sinister, you know, agenda. That, that's a very yeah. Star Trek-y kind of thing, which again, even immersing that type of trope into a younger audience makes sense. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of story that you're going to get if you start watching Star Trek, kids. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait till they do the, like, Naked Now episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Only in there, in this one, because it's aimed at teens and tweens, or, or tweens and, and kids, it's going to be heavy petting, or what? Yeah. <laughs> look at that. Uh, Dean Stockel was in uh, Anchors Away. There you go. Yeah, Gene Kelly and Frank as, as a Yeah, as a little young, young, young. As a young person. kid, yeah. yeah. Yep. Cool. Oh, he's also in Beverly Hills Cop too, with that mustache. Yep. Oh, I remember that scene. He was yeah. He's he's the patsy. He gets set up by the bad guy. Hmm. Hmm. Cool. So, are we going to talk about uh, the Eternals now? Let's... Yeah. Let's mm-hmm. let's see if we can get through it without without hurting Jaime's feelings. Yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Um, my first comment, if I can, at the end of the movie, I reached, leaned over to Jonathan and said, was it just me or was that plot really convoluted? Yeah. I mean, so, so let me, let me try to take a stab at this. Well, and, and so I, I did follow that up with like the, the thing is that Thor and Iron Man and, you know, Batman and Superman and Spider-Man, we, they're, they're well-established characters, right? Whereas this, we were coming at this like a, like golden compass or like, if you hadn't read the books, you know. There was no frame of reference, right? It's true. This is a bit of a departure from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it's the second new property that they've launched in this new phase after Shang-Chi. But Shang-Chi was pretty grounded. You know, he's, he's a dude. And, you know, he's interacting, he has a very normal life, and then it gets kind of out of control, which again is a very sort of tried and true storytelling method, you know, uh, the hero's journey kind of thing. This one, the idea right from the beginning, and obviously, uh, as Tim mentioned, he missed just a, a smidge at the beginning. The idea very, very broadly, and I think you can get it just from watching the trailer, is that these Eternals have come to Earth to fight these bad guys, and they stay, live a long time, and they... They have to fight the bad guys. And it's a challenging one because there is no connection 
between this movie and anything you've seen in the MCU before. They they name drop the 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 snapping and the Thanos stuff, but they there really is no connection between this and anything you've seen before. So you could come into this movie theoretically cold and just jump in. Now, the other thing that makes it really challenging unlike Shang-Chi is it is a it's not just introducing to a character, it's introducing to a a group of characters. The Eternals are not a person. They're a, a group of people. And it's awfully hard to do that all at once. It, it would be like starting with the Avengers and then trying to explain to you, oh, and Thor does this. Oh, and this is what Captain America can do. And oh, this is also what Black Widow is. And, you know, I understand why you do it this way, but it's really, it can be challenging to be accessible when you're coming at it and you're trying to introduce a whole bunch of characters, different abilities, different relationships with each other, and tell a story that spans a long period of time. You know, the, the idea is they've come a long time ago and they've been on Earth for a long time and they're sort of flashing back and forth. It, it, you're right, Tim. It, it, you know, long story short, it's a, it's a complicated story. And it's actually quite a long movie at that. So again, keeping things high level, it's just, it's a lot to ask from an audience, particularly one where, you know, we aren't really in the Marvel movie groove right now. You know, when Mm -hmm. they, when they slipped in a few of the weird ones, like Guardians, like Ant-Man, we were kind of already, you know, off and rolling here. You know, we had a big, we we had Endgame, we had Spider-Man, Far From Home, and then we went silent because of the pandemic for quite a while. This year, we've gotten Black Widow, which again, is very much tied to the older portion of the of the MCU because it's a flashback movie. And then we just got Shang-Chi. Mm-hmm. And Shang-Chi, as I said, is, is, is a pretty accessible, broadly accessible movie. This one is a bit of an ask, and I think that's why audiences are struggling with it. That's why you're seeing the Rotten Tomatoes reviews. And because it's trying to pack in a lot of stuff, it is laying some foundations for some stuff. It's introducing some lots and lots of new characters, new ideas. It's it's a lot. It's a lot to ask. And so I can see why it's why it's having a, a tough time getting people to connect with it. That being said, there are some really good performances in there. There's some really interesting ideas in there. There are some very, you know, likable characters who I do we hope we see more from. Um you know, am I clamoring for an an Eternals 2? Not necessarily. But if the Eternals are part of the larger MCU and in in you know, parts come back and we see some more of these characters. I'm, I'm supportive of that. Yeah. They, they I, did cover they did cover why they didn't get involved in Endgame, Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's interesting, but it, I we weren't think, in the budget. I think the best, <laughs> uh, best comp, I was thinking about this a lot today. The best comp that I can come up with again, try to sort of keep things from getting too um, clear is mm-hmm. it felt a little bit like, Avengers Age of Ultron. It does have a mm. beginning, a middle, and end. You can watch yeah. it on its own. It has a story, but it really feels like a piece of connective tissue. And I think when you watch it as a standalone movie now, when we've, we're kind of easing back into this new phase of the Marvel Universe, it kind of sticks out a little bit as a what what's happened? Like, I don't understand. A lot of head scratchy, well, who is that? Mm. Well, what does that mean? 
what am I supposed to take away from that? And I think that that can be a little disorienting for an audience that isn't sort of in full speed ahead on, on the MCU. But I think when you view it on Disney plus three years from now, as a part of the MCU in its, you know, as part of this phase, I think it's going to fit mm-hmm. in nicely. I, I remember thinking in the moment, Age of Ultron, I was like, ah, that's, that wasn't, you know, uh, the first Avengers was really good. This feels like they're kind of too many characters. It's overstuffed and all those same yep. concerns. But now I've gone back and watched it and I'm like, oh, because you know where everything is going. You're like, oh, this makes much more sense. It's a lot more clear. You know, the character arcs make more sense. It is still it's still a connective movie, but I think it holds up much better than it did when it first came out. I think that's how we'll look back on Eternals is that right now it can be a bit of a challenge to ask audiences to buy in on this. Although, again, if you go in with an open mind of, you know, I'm just going to get introduced to a whole bunch of new stuff and enjoy some performances and things go pew, 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 it's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with the movie at all. It just has a lot of stuff it's trying to sort of set up and and sort of get things yeah. going on. And, and you got to kind of be able to roll with that and just know that, that Kevin Feige and Marvel have a plan and this is part of the plan. And, you know, climb on board because they're not going backwards and they know what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, there were some characters in there I, I did like. I mean, like, um, there's a couple that I just thought, like, the, the actor portraying them, um, that, that does he do any kind of other acting? Because it was very sort of, um, you know, without giving it away, there's, there's you know, there's, some of the actors are like, one of the characters could have been just about anybody else. And in fact, when I came in late and I saw this person moving around in, in the fight scene, I thought, is that the guy from... Um, Doctor Strange in this movie all of a sudden, you know, like, or the same actor or something like that, but uh, turned out it wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. Also, we, it's a bit of a, we, I was going to talk about this a bit, but we just saw Kevin Smith talking um, after the movie, the documentary Clark, which is about his life and his career. Um, he was talking about uh, in the question and answer section at the end about whether he would do a Marvel movie. And he said, you know, that Marvel movies are very, much a machine like there's it's pre-visualized already the director walks in and they hand them this is what it's going to look, look like and so for someone like he he talked about how why edgar wright walked away from ant-man and why he wouldn't entertain doing a i'm sure he would entertain if they gave him a showed him the paycheck but um but he he wouldn't do one because he found he said that they're very formulaic and i've heard too that Marvel movies, you know, they're they're always three acts, right? Like mm-hmm. it's you know a beginning, a middle, and an end. And you know, you, you know, in the middle part, you can if you need to take a, a bathroom break or get some popcorn, you can do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which I actually considered, but <laughs> you know, uh, there's there's always that sort of you know lull in the middle, and then you know, and the other thing too is like I think that too, like you said, the 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 po- the the mid credit and the post credit scenes mm-hmm. are both both introduce other people that you know will also bring back in the same sense of why is Tom Holland playing you know the the main character Nathan Drake in uh, in Uncharted is because he has a following and an audience and yep. and there's some mileage that they'll get out of the out of the two people that are going to portray those those characters that they reveal in the post credit yep. and you know for the years as they built up the MCU in in the Hollywood version you know Sam Jackson would always appear at the end of the movie and and 
introduce a new person or or tell them about the Avengers or you know what I mean? Yeah, like, connective tissue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of make make that connection. And that's kind of sort of what what you expect. And it's funny, like when you said to me, like, "Oh wait, there's there's a scene coming up," and I went, "Oh yeah, right. I forgot. This is a Marvel movie." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, I do I do feel after what after listening to what Kevin Smith said the other day about the the fact that the director doesn't have a lot of pull and a lot of say in this, I kind of feel sorry for Chloe Zhang. Um, having made this movie because, you know, she's coming off an Oscar win. Mm -hmm. Uh, You wonder, I mean, and and there is a tie in between the way Shang-Chi looked and this movie looked too, right? Like from a point of, from a design point of view, like, like the, they were very similar kind of uh, creatures and very similar kind of like um, outfits at the, it's a a polite way of saying, damn, there was a lot of CGI in this movie. Well, yeah, there was a lot of CGI in the movie, but there was also this the, that sort of ray tracing thing, like like yeah. the, like the sword in in um, that Gwyn has, you know, in mm-hmm. in Prodigy is very very reminiscent of the sort of the Doctor Strange, you know, you sort of twist your hand and you yeah, and you, you create know, a magic thing, yeah, yeah, magic, magic shield and whatever, yeah, yeah, whatever. no, yeah. it's true, it's true, or or you block a blow by by incanting this this you know. Mm-hmm. wireframe around your wrist or whatever right mm-hmm. um or, or or yeah in the one place the one case where they, they make handcuffs and somebody gets out of them but you know the like that from that point of view like it, it's it's interesting to see that to know that you know this is a formula and also this is a stepping stone to something else right um because it did they did say the internals will be back you know like yeah they know, didn't okay. say in what circumstance but yes yeah yep. true and and you know, my reaction to that comment when I saw that on the screen was like, oh okay, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. yeah, no, and there there was definitely some some standout performances. You know, I was talking about it with with my son today when we were out, and mm-hmm. you know, I thought Gemma Chan really helped. Like she's a yeah. movie star; she carried the movie really well. Yeah. Um, she plays. Well, she was the main character in Humans, right? She was. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And and she was really quite strong. I hadn't watched Human, so I wasn't as familiar with her. But she's yeah. she's a very captivating performer. Uh, I thought you know for their for their parts, I thought Kamel Nanjiani was quite good. I thought um, you know the Brian Tyree Henry who played Fastos, um, You're the grumpy guy. He was the the one who leaves his husband and his son to go and and join the oh, fight. Oh, yeah, different guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's this sort of the the engineer of the team. Mm. Uh, I love him from Atlanta. He was he's he's really 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 good on on the uh, the show Atlanta, and so I was really excited to see him in here. And he was really good. He was really really enjoyable. Uh, even Liam McHugh, the the um, young woman who plays Sprite, um, you know, she couldn't have been fourteen fifteen when they when she made this. And you know, I thought she was a was was quite good. But there was a few there where you're like, man, this is this, there's a lot of characters. Like they just they really do. You know, it's just like, oh, and there's that. There's oh this person and their names are not ones that ring immediately to mind you know the eternals even you know somebody like i mean i don't think i mean you guys tell me that the eternals are not they're not mainstream for somebody like me in comics and i know a lot right. about comic right. books mm-hmm. yeah uh eternals if i had said to you before have you heard of the comic book eternals you might have been like no. sure Jaime, i assume no. yes <laughs> Uh, the the name I think I was familiar with, but if you asked me to name a roster, I would not have name been able name to get one character. Even now, yeah, like I mean, yeah. you haven't seen the movie. Can you name one person who's a member of the Eternals? No, no. I mean, I think maybe they chose uh, actors I know for a reason, like Salma Hayek. <laughs> Salma yeah. Hayek is one of the characters, right? 
Yes, yeah, so Hayek, she's an eternal. Uh, I mean, legitimately, she's, she looks incredible, um, you know, and she's well into her, uh, you know, 50s or 60s. Well, they, they did talk about the fact that there were, this is an interesting movie because there were older women roles, like because Angelina Jolie and Thelma Hayek both yeah. had key roles in this movie. And they Salma Hayek, playing... 55 years old, and she is still both breathtaking and extremely talented. Angelina Jolie, 46, same. Yeah, and they weren't playing somebody's mother or grandmother or whatever, right? Nope. No, um, no. Again, I think I think there's a lot of there there. I, I I don't I don't want people to come away from this with the impression that we were like, oh crap. Like it's not. It is. You just have to go in with an open mind and take what they give mm. you for what they give you and accept that it is part of a larger narrative. And that's what the MCU is going to be now. It's almost nothing you watch when you watch an MCU movie or watch an MCU TV show now is ever going to be self-contained. It's really ever going to have its, you know, is going to be just what it is. It's all about universe building. And this is more so that some of the stories are going to be less so that this one is very much, you know, strap in kids. We're going for a long-term ride. So now that we've talked about this, how much, how much more or less do you want to see this after our, uh, hopefully pretty spoiler free review there i mean how do we do yeah i mean i'll i'll uh, still end up watching it probably you know close to day one on on disney plus um but i don't i don't it, again it was already not one that i was clamoring to see in the theaters and i think kind of especially not now right but i i was having a conversation with my dad and we were talking about the movies coming out he's like eternals well i don't know about it i was like dad like you got to see it. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, because you're going to be missing something yep. if you don't see this movie. Like, normal people can skip this movie. People who are trying to follow the entire story cannot skip this movie. So they, they kind of know they got you there, right? Yeah, and that, I think, is the real the real thing of it is that in the world we live in, like, Jaime, I don't know, have you been spoiled at all on the, the post credit scenes? I have not. Yeah, I, I, they really do feel like it's just a matter of time. Like even, you know, we, we went and saw it, you know, theoretically five or six days after it came out. I will be surprised and maybe you can keep a surprise on our on our weekly shows here. I'll be surprised if you're able to completely avoid the the after credits stuff, spoiler stuff um, between now and when it comes out in Disney plus. So theoretically we're looking at what, like a two month window. It's probably not coming to Disney plus till if I had to guess end of January, probably somewhere in there. Sounds about right. Cause you don't want to waste it in December, um, which is a little soon. So January closer to February is probably your, your earliest time. And they are going to be thinking about, um, I don't know when Disney's fiscal year is. I think it's the same as the calendar year. So they kind of want a good, set of numbers for q1 so yeah i think yeah or again they could target it around something like uh, martin luther king day or something where people are going to have an extra Mm -hmm. bit of time or something Mm -hmm. you know anyways realistically it's not coming out probably in 2021 it's coming out in in early 2022 at some point it there the post-credit scenes again completely spoiler free definitely do build on the larger marvel cinematic universe as well so it's going to be pretty hard to to contain that across the blogosphere across reddit across social across uh you know fan blogs and and even you know mainstream sources i think they're going to give people a little bit of leeway but i've already seen 
uh, I've seen headlines that are like, who is dot, 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 what is dot, dot, dot mean? And it's just like, hey, like, this is not very nice. Yeah, so that's that's a good warning because I'm I'm starting to get the feeling this is leaning into that um, baby Yoda kind of thing where long before I'd ever seen the Mandalorian, I I knew about the uh, the child uh, thing because ah. the the internet could not avoid spoilers on that, and it sounds like that will be the same case here. Yeah, yeah, no, it'll it'll be tricky, but again, it w- even if even if we were to tell you straight out what it is right now, it still wouldn't take away from it. And it's it's certainly not like, you know, crystal clear, all the meanings and the what does it mean and where is it going? And blah. Um, I just took a quick look at Rotten Tomatoes to see where we're at. So right now on the Tomatometer, it is 47 percent from critical consensus. So that is the lowest ranked Marvel movie of all time. Uh, but it's got an 80% audience score. So the audiences are still enjoying what they're putting out there, even if the critics aren't. So I don't know if that's critical expectation based on the fact, again, like you say, Tim, like Chloe Zhao is coming off an Oscar win. She's a terrific filmmaker, uh, you know, but it's still apparently working for the audience. Uh, The critical consensus on Rotten Tomatoes says an ambitious superhero epic that soars as often that soars as often as it strains, Eternals takes the MCU in intriguing and occasionally confounding new directions. The audience says it's a different kind of Marvel movie, but Eternals still contains all the action, humor, and heart the fans are looking for. I, and I kind of agree with both of those things. You know, yeah, it, it, in some places it's reaching and it's not necessarily hitting. And in some places it's, you know, hitting you exactly where you expect to be hit and hitting you well. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So... I would say, like all things Marvel, you're going to want to see it. Everybody's going to want to see it if you're keeping up with the MCU. Uh, do you have to see it right now? Do you have to, you know, if you feel like you're in a situation where you don't necessarily feel comfortable in the theater? Yeah, of course you can wait until, uh, you know, January or whenever it's coming out on Disney+. Plus. Of course, you, you know, it's it's not going to destroy you uh, to to see it. And while I do think, you know, Marvel movies are really cool on a big screen, it's not going to break your brain. Again, I thought Black Widow was perfectly fine on my television screen. You know, would it have looked great on an IMAX screen? Of course it would have, but yeah, it is what it is. All right, let's move on to our um, watch list, shall we? Mm-hmm. I know, I'll go first. Um, <laughs> so uh, I started watching Invasion on Apple TV, and I, I, I thought, oh, here we go, another, you know, War of the Worlds, another, you know, uh, apocalypse kind of thing happening or whatever um but yeah it is really good um what's interesting about it is the character development stories that go along with this this whole sort of mysterious what's happening to the world kind of thing i'm I'm five episodes in i i mean it started in october so i was able to binge the first five episodes i watched one thinking oh well i'll watch one and see how i feel and then at the end of it, I thought, okay, well, I'll watch another one to see how I feel about that. And by the time I got to the third, fourth, and fifth, I'm like, okay, where's the sixth episode, you know? <laughs> um, and then, so, I mean, yeah, so Jaime, the answer is wait till till they're all out. But, <laughs> but the, uh, the, what's interesting is, is, you know, there's like one woman whose husband is having an affair and she's kind of finding it out. She's got two little kids and... They're together trying to get away from whatever this this badness is. Um, but at the same time, she's sort of finding out about this this relationship he's having with another woman uh, as she's sort of, you know, finding out that, you know, her whole, her whole world is, you know, she's given up her career to become a housewife for this guy. And, and this is how he's repaying her kind of thing. And 
And then you're wait, wait a minute, this is like an invasion movie, right? Um, so they, they, you fall into these traps where the storytelling is so interesting about this particular group of people. There's a ki- there's a bunch of kids on, there's a young goofy kid, um, and, and, you know, they're on a school trip and in the bus and something happens to the bus during this whole, you know, thing, uh, all these different connected experiences that, that are, there's a thread going through that hasn't really been tied up yet, but. Um, you know, and the kids are there, there's a bus accident and then they're, they're right on, they're on their own and they have to figure out how to survive in this situation. You know, they're all like, you know, 10, 11, 12 year old kids. Right. Um, and you, you get tied up into that story and you forget that, oh, wait a minute, there's this, again, this apocalypse is happening at the same time, sort of. So they, they suck you into these little stories, you know, and it's, and it's interesting in that, you know, I think we talked about why the last man, there was a couple of episodes where, um, it was just about this one group of women. Well, in the whole mm-hmm. movies about the whole show is about this one group of women, but the one, the one with the Mimi, I forgot her name, the, um, the Amazon woman, uh, who's leading, she's like taken over as a leader in this group. Uh, have you guys mm-hmm. watched, uh, what you've watched? Missy Pyle, you mean Missy Pyle, the, Missy the actress? Pyle, yeah, yeah, Missy her, Pyle, yeah. yeah. So she she plays a really um, um, dynamic character, but you know, you, there's one episode where it was just about that group, right? Um, and you're kind of like, well, what about the other people? But in this one, they kind of break it down. Like, I think there's, I want to say there's four or five different plot line plots going on at the same time with this thread through the middle. And but each one of the stories is compelling enough that you want to know what's going on, and they and they they give you enough of one group of people and then move to the other one. But like, like I said, the thing, the hypnotizing part is like, you're watching this thing and you're like, oh yeah, wait a minute, there's this, this pandemic thingy going on. We have to sort of like, what's going on with that? You, they don't tell you, like, you know, it's sort of how, telling you the story from other people's perspectives. Kind of like my favorite scene in Shaun of the Dead is when Shaun, um, he you know, gets up in the morning and he's like all exhausted and he goes to the store and gets his paper and, you know, and a Cornetto and he goes back to his, his uh, apartment, right, his flat. And the next day, the apocalypse has happened, all the zombies have taken over England, and yet he gets up in the morning, and he goes over to the the corner store, buys his paper, gets a Cornetto, and then, you know, and, and goes back, and, and completely oblivious to the fact that the whole world has been taken over by zombies, right? Yeah. yeah. Which is like, I think that's just a brilliant film, brilliant storytelling. And that's kind of sort of where, where this one is, too, is like, you know... This stuff is happening to these people, and they're kind of like, okay, just going through the motions kind of thing, right? So, very compelling show. I definitely highly, highly recommend watching Invasion, in spite of the fact that, eh, it's another, you know, pandemic, apocalypse kind of story, you know? It's it's a really, it's really interesting, interesting TV. Yeah. Cool. That's me. Yeah, I'll have to add a, an entry there to get that, um, as, uh. You know, we collect all the series of um, streaming services. That one will come back around in the rotation. Apple TV Plus. Cool. Um, for one that is like having electricity, Netflix, which people probably have, uh, I'd recommend um, Lock and Key Season 2. Hmm. If you haven't seen the first one about the um, the family with the mysterious heritage and the mysterious house that they uh, they go into, that's that's part of their heritage. and magical keys i think i'm reaching back as to how i described season one i think it was uh like the the darker parts of harry potter like probably you know 
goblet of fire kind of level you know where there's there's whimsy but then there's like some dark stuff in there um season two feels like later potter where it's definitely a lot uh a lot darker a little less whimsy and a little bit more serious so keep that in mind if uh if you were watching stuff this one continues more or less uh where the uh season one ended off but it's maybe like a few weeks or a few months later or something so it's definitely a continuing story uh, I, I thought it was good um i will caveat to say that there are folks who said that it's uh, a little too action oriented compared to the first season which is probably fair but if you go back to the harry potter analogy it's a little bit more actiony in the later Harry Potters than it is the early ones. So use that as your your guidance. And we uh, highly support watching this one, given that we have a family member who works on that show. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. Cool. Cool. Well, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed the season. It's a it's a pretty easy watch. Ten episodes. Cool. Yeah. We'll we'll say stick around for the credits just to uh, to shout out yeah. our our, uh, our family member. We we make sure he gets his due. Cool, cool. And then my my second item here is to watch Shang Chi for free on Disney Plus. Uh, scare quotes free on Disney Plus uh, yeah. starting Friday, November twelfth. So I'll get a chance to see it this weekend. Cool. Then we can really get into mixing it up and talking about spoilers next week. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, well, so it's yeah, it is Disney Plus Day. That's a good uh, note. We'll also see they're they're dropping. So it's the anniversary, second anniversary of Disney Plus is the uh, the twelfth of November, and so they're doing this Disney Plus Day. So not only are they dropping that, but they're dropping Jungle Cruise. They're dropping the new Home Alone uh, product. They're dropping a whole bunch of other products that day. And and uh, I don't know if they're gonna have any more announcements or anything, but I guess we'll we'll report back next week and see if anything comes out of that. Uh, a couple of things I've got. So Red Notice is coming to uh, Netflix this weekend. Red Notice is the, it's a heist movie. It stars uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. It stars Gal Gadot and um, Ryan Reynolds. So some pretty hefty star power. I mean, this is as big a, as big a cast as you get in any blockbuster uh, movie release in the theater. And you get it on your Netflix subscription. Um, I, I'm a sucker for a heist movie. I love heist movies, mm-hmm. um, especially if uh, heaven, heaven forbid, they actually have some twists in there that I don't see coming. So uh, I think uh, I, I'm I'm interested in this one. The trailer looks very charming. Again, all three of those actors have a real charisma and charm. They're all very likable. They're all very uh, witty and charming. I, I think uh, I'm looking forward to seeing if that chemistry. Uh, meshes in the way that it, it possibly could because if it does it'll be terrific if it doesn't well, well we'll talk about that so yeah that's that's on netflix uh on the 12th and i also noticed as uh, i was looking through something earlier that last night in soho which we talked about the new edgar ray movie is actually going to be available next week on on demand platforms nice. yep. so if for example you couldn't get out to the theater to to see the new Edgar Wright movie then uh you'll be able to watch it in the comfort of your own home starting on November 19th on I assume all of your favorite streaming platforms nice. and I, again I think you know I don't think if you're if you listen to any of these episodes if you're a listener of the show you know that Tim and I are pretty pretty diehard uh, Edgar supporters so mhm out there with kevin smith anytime i either one of them is in town i'll i'll go off and see them yeah and i'm usually a sucker for for seeing their movies too yeah that's true Hmm. so my pick for this week is star trek discovery i think you're going to want to tune in for this one kids 
Yeah, maybe we should do a podcast about it. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so next week we're going to get the the conclusion of this this Star Trek prodigy, and we're also going to get the season four premiere of of uh, Star Trek Discovery all in one day. All right. Well, I guess that's it for another week. So, hey, hi, man. If people want to get in touch with you, where do they find you? I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. And Jonathan, people want to get in touch with you? You can always find me on Instagram and Twitter as at JPK News. And as I've said over 600 and something times, my name is Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. And so until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. Space. They dropped the final uh, trailer for no. that as well this week. Yeah, a little more of a, a little more of a robust trailer with a little more, mm. you know, what the big thing is as they as they uh, set. Uh, I guess it's December first. It's coming to Netflix. Hmm. Um, it's funny because the little the little boy who they had playing uh, Will Robinson, he's looking very much like a young man now. It's funny. Oh, is he? Yeah. 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 And and those oh. are the you know the two uh, young women that were sort of early you know young women they uh they definitely look a little more right. adult right. it's funny cool yeah the other movie that's on my my to-do radar that i i asked i asked my wife if she wanted to go see it because uh <laughs> we we don't go see movies a lot together there's only a few filmmakers that we will make an effort to go see one of them is wes anderson and the French Dispatch is out in theaters now it's been out for a couple of weeks the the latest Wes Anderson film and I sort of said do you do you want to go you know go see the theater and she said yeah I feel like we can watch that at home and it, it's true again like his movies are, are really quite beautiful uh, I don't know if you are uh, I know uh, Tim I think you and I have seen a few of those but he makes really interesting visually films his his uh, OCD makes for really really interesting visual films because he he has this like he likes to really fill the screen. He has a palette. He really likes symmetry. He makes really interesting looking films. Um, they announced this week that that one's coming out on uh, digital on December 14th and coming out on Blu-ray on the 28th. So not too far of a wait for that one if you, uh, if you couldn't get out to the theater for that one too. I'm, I'm keen. I want to see that one.
that and he just he gets like again he's 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 got such a reputation now he works with such great actors like it's just packed again he's got you know bill murray and francis mcdormand and jeffrey wright and adrian brody and tilda swinton and owen wilson and timothy chalamet and leia sidhu and you know leave schreiber and betty moss and like edward norton willem dafoe saoirse ronan like christoph waltz like it's insane it's insane how many people want to work with this guy like it's it's the Avengers Endgame of uh, of uh, auteur cinema. Yeah, it's you know like he really does. He gets like these like you know crazy long lists of of these people. And again, some of them are only in the movie for like five minutes. But you're like, geez, how the hell did you get Frances McDormand to be in your movie for ten minutes? That's insane. Like she's you know arguably the the second greatest actor, uh, you know, female actor of all time behind Meryl Streep. Like it's crazy. Yeah, for sure. How many did you catch up with Doctor Who? I've not. What is it? Two two episodes now? Yeah, second episode came out. Actually, I okay. fell asleep watching the second episode. I still have to watch the second half of it. But uh... Uh, did we watch that one already? Yeah, it came out on Sunday. Yes, I must have watched. Yes, that's right. Because because Rogers messed it up again. I of course they complaining, did. Complaining about that. Thank you, Rogers. Yeah. Yeah. You're trying to remember what happens in it? Oh, yeah. The uh, the army's back again, right? Yes. Yeah. Centaurans. Hmm. Jonathan Majors on SNL this weekend. Yeah. Along with Taylor Swift. Yeah. I knew that would have you, Tim. You'd be like, Taylor Swift? What? Yeah, I know, eh? <laughs> For sure. So we do the, uh, the after show. We're going to do the what Tim really thinks about the Eternals. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you, you summed it up well. I think, you know, I, I have to give it time, let it, let it age. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tricky. It's, you know, it is. It's an absolutely tricky movie. It's it's by no means is it perfect. And it it doesn't fit into that nice sort of square box, which I, I mean, you can make the case. That's what Marvel movies do, right? They fit into this perfect little, you know, the, the formula works so well. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to having uh, having Jaime uh, on board so we can have a an unfiltered view of this one. Hopefully Jaime, you'll be able to get out for, uh, um, you know, we should, we should try and coordinate our watchings of, uh, of those last few, the Ghostbusters, the matrix and the Spider-Man. So we can mix those into our conversations around, uh, all the Trek that's coming up. I am, mean, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, so we're now a good ways into the NHL season. Your, your beloved Seattle Kraken are, are playing tonight. They're playing their, Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, fourteenth game. Has the bloom come off the rose, or are we is is Seattle still cracking crazy, or is it? Uh, is people are people like, oh yeah, that's right. Hockey's eighty-two games, and it lasts a long time. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, some of the enthusiasm is not quite as there as it was. Um, thinking back to two thousand nine when the Sounders uh, yeah. debuted, it probably helped that the Sounders were pretty good right out of the gate, whereas the the Kraken are four, eight, and one. Um, yeah, and I don't think the Kraken have have shut somebody out yet. So I do know that in hockey, you quite literally have to score more than your opponent. But they yes. sort of take that to the extreme of like they literally cannot win unless they outscore the opponent. There is no yes. oh we won you know one zero or something like. The, it'd be nice to see a goose egg in there and see some defense. Yeah. Well, and, and I will say, I, I like the way that they built their team. They they went and signed the best free agent goaltender on the market in Philip Grubauer. So, I mean, you have to think that'll come in time. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Hmm. Well, it'll be interesting to see 
how they continue to push. I mean, hockey is pretty flat this year. There's, you know, there are some like teams that are rising above, but it's, there's a lot of, you know, competitive games every night. And I've been sort of just keeping an eye on it. You know, they're not getting their doors kicked in. They're, they're competing really well. It's just, you know, can't win them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes you realize what an aberration the Vegas Knights are. Like they just, they got like extremely, either they were extremely smart or extremely lucky or a little of both to be hmm. that hot, that good out of the start and still haven't taken a step back. Indeed. Indeed. Just seeing an article online, Disney Plus has confirmed it has delayed the release of Miss, Ms. Marvel until late next year. Miss Marvel? Ms. Marvel, yeah. Or Ms.? Ms. Yeah, I thought it was supposed to be... Uh, I thought they were going to put that out in advance of the Marvel's movie, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. These intros even upset. What? Ms. Marvel? What? Hmm. Yep. I'm never upset to have a day off, especially during a very busy stretch, which we've had at work. But also having a day off on a Thursday and having to go back on a Friday seems painful. It's weird for sure. Yeah, it is weird. I mean, yeah, I mean, to be fair, you guys obviously are pretty used to it. That's how U.S. Uh, Yanksgiving is, right? That's you always get the Thursday, but then most people get the Friday off too, right? Yeah, it, it, it's it's pretty common for folks to to take that day off. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you have to take it? Like, do you have to request it, or do your companies don't give you that day, do they? It depends. The some companies just do the day after. Some have it. Uh, well, we kind of expect people to to take PTO, and then some are like. We're not asking any questions if you don't show up. Like, it just really varies culturally. <laughs> it is, you know, unless you're working retail or something, pretty, culturally, it's pretty much a, a, a four-day weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Well, we'd like to thank you in the spirit of Thanksgiving because for some reason we do have Black Friday on the same day you guys have Black Friday, even though... Oh, coming up, right? Even though Thursday means nothing here. Yeah. So we go from nothing Thursday to Black Friday. Yeah, it's uh it's Well here it became it became a thing because especially here in, in southern Ontario, we're so close to the US border, and I know this is true in, in places like Vancouver as well, where the proximity is so close that so many Canadians were like, Cool, Black Friday sales are on, let's cross the border, go down to the States and take advantage of all these incredible deals. And so that was, you know, people were going down there and loading up for their Christmas shopping just like they are in in America. And I think a lot of Canadian retailers were like, hey, so now Black Friday, pre-Black Friday, pre-pre-pre-Black Friday sales are are just as, as, uh, you know, just as much present here as they are down there. You go. I I imagine. I can't even remember from last year, but I imagine Black Friday has got to be a lot bigger of an online day than it is in a in a retail space thing it used to be, right? I guess they're not having people like you know fight for television sets and cough all over each other down there now. Yeah, a, a lot of it has turned into um, online and, and more than a day. You know, it's, it's it feels like it's a a week prior uh, that deals start coming out on various mm. sites. And then when it comes to the in-person stuff, they've done better about having, you know, security there and organizing it in a, all right, are you first in, in line? Great. You, you three people 
get the tickets for the you know insane 75 inch tv for a dollar kind of deals yeah, instead of yeah. you know whoever gets their first you know, pushing over uh, pregnant women and grandmas kind of thing. <laughs> yeah do you, do you watch the south park did south park did an episode uh, or a multi-part episode about uh uh black friday where you know they almost did it like game of thrones it was very 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 apt i thought yeah 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 Definitely a chaotic environment. I, I know for a while there, because I, I was working in, in media when that was really starting to become more and more prevalent. And, you know, we would we would send a reporter down to Buffalo and be like, here's your flak jacket. Go down and cover, you know, the, the insanity. And, uh, you know, we get all these great, you know, social media posts about, you know, just saw this person push somebody over for this thing. And like, you know, OK, great. Good stuff. Yeah, so what Black Friday deals do we have coming up, I wonder? Yeah, I mean, there's sort of, I, I get notifications from Amazon already saying, you know, pre-Black Friday sales have begun, and I got notifications from a few different uh, things that I, I'm i on the mailing list for that uh, are popping up, and, and certainly on my social media feeds, that's what a lot of the ads are popping yeah. up in there now, yeah. are, are being targeted towards me and my, my shopping habits. They're like, oh, we see you like uh, collected edition comic books. Uh, guess what? We've got a sale over here. <laughs> yeah. Come on down. Yep. Oh, look, Black Friday pricing on on TVs already. There you go. Do you need a new TV? No. Oh, there you go. I know. Xavier does that to me all the time. <gasps> Do you see Black Friday TV sales are on? I'm like, we don't need a TV. He's like, don't we? I'm like, yeah, okay, listen. <laughs> don't we? We need more vacuum cleaners. We've got to have some more vacuum cleaners. Yeah. i got to have more cowbell. Well, we have, we have four Roombas now. <laughs> I, I, I just can't help but think this is how the robot wars get started. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, there's a, you see the, the, uh, the little Stay Puff guys riding a Roomba in the, yeah. in the trailer, the trailer yeah. for the Ghostbusters. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Tim, you should uh, get a, sten- a couple stencils and spray paint an Autobot and Decepticon logo, respectively, on your, yeah. your dueling Roombas. That or just uh, like really go to town and turn them into those robot wars machines where like one of them's got a cleaver, the other one's got like a you know set of steak <laughs> knives strapped to it, and just let them yeah. let them have at it. There can be only one. I can get a refurbished M1 uh, Mini for five nine five eighty nine. Hmm. Huh? Because I Carol's finally moved up moved the computer up to the main the middle bedroom, mm. mm-hmm. and so I put her on Sherry's old mini, but she's complaining about it. it's really slow. I'm like, well, if you if you like this way of working, because she's using the TV that she's got up there, right? Mm. It's like 100 bucks off for an M1. Eight core. How much memory has got this? Probably like nothing, right? Wow, now I just feel like a drug dealer that I pushed him in this. 256. Hmm? I said, now I feel like a drug dealer that I just put you under the Black Friday sales. No, yeah, yeah, okay. no, there's lots of good deals. Get in there. Yeah, yeah. It's got all the ports I need on here. Doesn't have the uh, display port. Is what I was using. All well, right. well, I guess we'll call it a day. Yep, I got uh, an hour. Got to get geared Eight. up. I got another another podcast to work on tomorrow morning. Oh, lucky you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like now you know how I feel. Not, I was gonna <laughs> say not quite in Tim category yet, but but definitely in there. It's just, yep. We're we're ramping up. We're up to uh, this is what seven. This is episode seven of this season for the. The uh, the healthcare pod and so eight recordings on Monday and then nine and mm-hmm. ten are in a couple of weeks. How quickly did they turn them around? Um, including all the AODA and all the other stuff that we have to do, the accessibility mm. requirements and all that other stuff that we mm. have to do. Uh, 
I can, I can, if I have to, I can turn an episode around in about five days, Mm. but usually we try and plan ahead. So like I'm recording, uh, with, with our host tomorrow and our guests and that episode is coming out on December 7th. Mm. So we're, we're, we actually managed to get ahead of things a little bit this, this season in a way that we, last season we were kind of flying by the seat of our pants because we had some really tight deadlines. So we were like, you know, yeah, really, really having to turn things around fast. Now we were able to buy, buy ourselves a little bit of time. So we've already recorded and like we just published two new episodes this week. And then we've already got the other two episodes recorded and, and uh, locked down for November 23rd already. And then because we're going up bi-weekly it's a lot easier to manage yeah yeah but it's uh yeah i mean it's continues to be challenging just because you know it's when you're producing a podcast for a for a um organization like ours there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through yeah approvals and you know like we have to you know we have to pre-screen we have to you know send all our questions up be vetted by a lot of people and yeah it's a, it's a lot of a lot of rigmarole it's a, it's a, as people sort of say was well, do, do you do this kind of stuff with your podcast i'm like um no we were very much more fly by the seat of our pants this one yeah 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 oh, no, there's a whole pro i mean the whole idea behind podcasts was was literally was the ipod like you just record some people talking and put it on put it on an ipod mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so it's not like rocket science from that point of view but yeah, when you're talking about a business and and like you know, yeah, like like a bunch of my friends who are running their own businesses have all have all started doing podcasts. So of course they get the nice little email from me going, "Geez, everybody's got a podcast now." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I've been warning Jaime and Mark that that's that's coming. It's going to be the point where you know you, you'll get like uh, your Netflix account, your podcast, you know, <laughs> your cell phone, yeah, you know, your your TikTok. Yeah, I like um, I like I like it as a tool. Again, my my area of um, work right now is is obviously communications, and as mm-hmm. a tool in the toolbox, you know, alongside so many other tactics you can you can use for communications. I really like the podcast because it allows you to, particularly for our organization, which is a data data organization, mm-hmm. it allows you to just sort of contextualize stuff in a way that you you can't always do. You know, when you're when you're looking at raw data, you can actually bring somebody in from outside and say, hey, here's mm-hmm. you know, here's what we're seeing. What are you seeing on the ground as a patient, as a healthcare person, as a, uh, a doctor, as somebody who's working in administration, as somebody who's working at a facility, as somebody who's working in government? So we can mm-hmm. kind of go places that are that are really different and unusual for us. So it's, it's kind of fun to be able to, to sort of mm-hmm. add that stuff to the mix. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Like, it's it's something that, um, you know, I've been it's easy enough to do and i and, you know um i think that most businesses that want to get promoting their services or whatever should be able to should do it like look into it right so i'm not surprised that people are doing more and more people doing podcasts but yeah you know yeah yeah i'm working on it i'm trying to wrangle this together the last little while but um there are a few organizations like ours across the country that are uh, sort of you know um arm's length government agencies that have podcasts and so i pitched to a few of them like hey maybe we should you know work on a little cooperative crossover where we can you know 
Yeah. We're, we're not going to get advertising from HelloFresh and, uh, and you know, uh, no, skip no. the dishes and stuff like that, but we can promote each other. So yeah. I suggest that, you know, uh, if we can get our stuff going, we should probably try and, uh, you know, do a couple of little overlaps and promote each other's stuff. And, and that seems to be coming together. So hopefully we'll do that soon. Well, all the radio stations have done that too. Like that's, yeah. it's not a, you know, like, like CBC's or everything CBC produces now is available as a podcast yep. and, you know, which is yeah, great. Alan, Alan I, Cross I, and like yeah. all kinds of stuff like that, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he's got like he's got like tons of content, right? Because he does, yeah. And, and year, they actually right? they started uh, they started monetizing it. I just noticed that in the, the last episode I listened to that now they're releasing <laughs> episodes sooner for premium members who are paying a fee, oh, and they're, yeah, that's they're the dropping the commercials yeah. out and they're doing this yeah. stuff. I was like, oh, here we go. Yeah. All right. All right. Talk to you next week, guys. Keep okay, it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.